The Bible reading today is from Matthew 9, verses 1 to 13. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then he got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thanks, Adele. As I said, the reading's in your leaflet there, so keep that in front of you. You can check what I'm saying there. Well, how do you go with conflict? I mean, I can do it if I have to but it's not my happy place, okay? There's this book, uh, i got a slide there, Robert, Strengths Finder. Um, you answer a load of questions, and then it tells you, rather than tell you what's wrong with you, it tells you what's good about what your strengths are, your personality strengths. And my top one was harmony. And this, here's the summary. My top strength is, you look for areas of agreement. In your view, there's little to be gained from conflict and friction. Wouldn't we be more productive if we kept our opinions in check and instead looked for consensus and support? When others are sounding off about their opinions, you hold your peace. In your view, we are all in the same boat and we need this boat to get, go- get where we're going. It's a good boat. There's no need to rock the boat. Just, show that, just to show that you can. I think that's a fairly accurate description of me. And if you disagree with me, don't tell me because I don't want the conference. That's it. <laughs> Well, I wonder if Jesus did a strengths finder thing, what would he come up with? Because in chapter 9 here that we're just looking at, and from now on through Matthew, we find Jesus facing opposition and getting into conflict. And it's not that he's going out of his way to look for conflict, but he doesn't shy away from it. And it's because all the evidence points to him being God's king, and it's kind of upsetting the status quo, leading him into conflict. Because the religious society Jesus has come into has got very fixed ideas about who's in with God and who's out. They've got very fixed ideas about the kind of rescuer king they were expecting, that they want God to send. And Jesus isn't quite fitting the bill. Uh, So in these two episodes in chapter 9, we're seeing the opposition ramping up. First, just in the um, religious leaders' thoughts. Next, they have a go at the disciples. Later in the chapter, they'll both voice their doubts again. And by chapter 11, they're directly confronting Jesus. 
So just these two episodes of conflict we're looking at today, Jesus uses each of them to reveal something about himself and about the heart of his opponents. There's a kind of a format. There's a flashpoint. There's a question asked by someone assuming they're in the right. Um, And then Jesus answering in a way so powerful it kind of turns the tables. Each episode showing us how Jesus is the king of forgiveness. The king of forgiveness. Each episode asks of us, do you know you need forgiveness? And do you believe Jesus can forgive you? Do you know you need forgiveness? And do you believe Jesus can forgive you? So that's what we're looking at today. So the context, just to get up to speed, because we're in kind of a mini-series in Matthew. Matthew's written this gospel, this proclamation of important good news, to show us what it means that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ or God's rescuer king. To show us that Jesus definitely is that king, that he's also the long-promised suffering servant, the ideal Israelite who resisted Satan, obeyed God perfectly, and came to pay for our sins. And his message is to repent, turn away from living for yourself, from relying on yourself, or whatever it is else else you put your trust in, and believe in him. He teaches with authority. He demonstrates authority over disease, over nature, over evil spirits. That's where we're up to. And as we pick up this story, Jesus is kind of returning from sort of a tour of Galilee and back to his base, his home base at Capernaum. Uh, got a slide, Robert, on the right here. I, I try and shy away from football illustrations, but I never promise not to use them at all. On the, on the right here, that's Manchester City's number nine striker, Erling Haaland enjoying a guard of honour by his mates because on Wednesday morning he became the English Premier League's top scorer in a season with his 35th goal. 35 goals. That's a record held since the 90s for context. That's ten, it was on that day 10 more than the next best Harry Kane. He scored 51 goals in all competitions. He's already done more than enough to convince everyone that he's the world's best striker this season. But there's still potentially... Six more games to go. He hasn't even finished yet. Well, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has already demonstrated his authority in his teaching and in his healing, calming a serious storm, casting out demons. He's done more than enough to convince that he is God's rescuer king. But he hasn't finished yet. There's more to come. All that's been kind of the entrees to the main course. Jesus' authority to forgive. So there's a little outline in your leaflet, if you like that kind of thing. Two points, main course and dinner guests. Main course, dinner guests. So first up, main course. Uh, Matthew takes it as read that there are still huge crowds around. Mark and Luke tell us that in their account of this. And many, completely understandably, had come for healing. Absolutely desperate, they've heard Jesus can heal. And Jesus could have spent his whole time healing and casting out demons. But Jesus knows that he's come to solve a much bigger problem, an eternal problem, our relationship with God, the brokenness of our relationship with God. See, being reconciled to God 
is every human's greatest and most urgent need. Everybody's greatest and most urgent need. But there's never going to be a convenient time for Jesus in his ministry without crowds of people looking for healing for him to get get on to what he really wants to talk about. It's never going to, that all's not going to stop. So he just gets on with it in the midst of healing. Uh, Matthew 9 verse 2. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. It's not what they'd come for. They'd brought their friend to Jesus in desperate hope of healing and left with something completely unexpected. It's like shopping at Aldi, isn't it? Who shops at Aldi? You know, the middle section. You go in, you go in for milk and bread. You come out with a trumpet and an ankle grind, angle grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Bargain, isn't that? A weekly special. Do you know what's cheaper than the weekly special buys? Not buying them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a top tip right there. This man came in for physical restoration, but Jesus sees our greatest need and gives him something else first, something more important forgiveness. Uh, Jesus isn't saying, let's be clear, Jesus is not saying this man's paralysis is directly caused by sin. It's not like he did sin A and so he got paralyzed. Sickness and disease, they are caused by sin generally. God's um, right, fair, partial judgment on the world, keeping a lid on evil. So that does come from God's judgment generally. But not. you don't want to... And God might use illness to discipline us. But that's not for us to know on a case-by-case basis. Don't ever claim you know that there's a direct link between disease and particular sin, because we just don't know. Jesus' point is that whatever our felt needs are, what other, other problems we've got, our greatest problem is sin, and our greatest need is for God's forgiveness. And sickness and death are problems, but they're problems that point to illustrate our bigger problem. So the real, real things that cause us to suffer, and don't hear me diminishing anyone's suffering, but there's a bigger problem that they point to. Forgiveness is the best blessing we can know in this life because it means solving that biggest problem. Forgiveness means reconciliation with God. So as desperate and painful and difficult as this man's life was, without forgiveness, our plight is infinitely more desperate than that. We're in much more trouble facing the just and right judgment that our rebellion against God deserves. Every one of us is guilty in our own way of denying God his rightful place as ruler of our lives. Each of us turned to our own ways and left to ourselves, that separates us from God. But Jesus has come to bring forgiveness. Forgiveness means a clean slate. Knowing that at the end, God will say, yes, you've wronged and hurt me and other people, but Jesus has dealt with it, and you are forgiven. I won't hold it against you. And not just a clean slate. Forgiveness through Jesus is being brought from one kingdom into another. Jesus' main message, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom he's king of, we're brought into that kingdom. Colossians 1, 
puts it like this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And clean slate, new citizenship. And how do you get all of this? By faith. By abandoning the old way of trusting in and believing in yourself and humbly lowering yourself at Jesus' feet, trusting him to save you. But there's a problem. There's a conflict in the air. Uh, Verse 3. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Basically, this book is... Is insulting. He's taking the mickey out of God. And you know, if Jesus was just another bloke, they'd have had a point. You know, sin is rebellion against God. So only God can declare forgiveness. So who does Jesus think he is? Uh, in September 2020, two blokes were charged with four counts of impersonating a police officer. They'd used Uh, flashing red and blue lights on their dashboard and fake police badges to pretend to be SA police officers. They issued notice with a fine and even drove one to a nearby petrol station to withdraw the money for it. Anyway, they got caught and they went to prison for four and five years for claiming to have the authority of a police officer when they hadn't. Jesus could have been stoned to death for blasphemy. So the question is, has Jesus really got the authority to forgive sins? Who does he think he is? Well, Jesus knows what they're thinking. And he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Which is easier? Um, I don't know if you recently put your car in for a service. And they, they tell you, they get back, pick up the car from the service, and they go through all the work they've done. They've got a list. On a clipboard. Oh, yeah, we've changed the sprockets on the trans gadget. And, of course, the Dinglehofer in this model needs changing every 20,000 kilometers. And they always refer to there's always a fluid that needs changing or topping up or cleaning or getting rid of. And I nod, say, oh, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I've no idea what they're on about. It's all gobbledygook to me. They might as well be talking about the space shuttle. It's a poor Honda Odyssey. How would I know that they'd even done anything. They could have just left it in the corner and then given it me back. How would I know they've even done anything under the bonnet? Anyone can say God's forgiven them. Anyone can say you're forgiven, but you can't actually see if it's actually happened. Well, Jesus demonstrates that he has the authority. He does this seemingly harder, visually verifiable thing of healing to show the greater work of forgiveness is real. Does the harder visually variable thing to show the invisible thing is real? Uh, so let's read that section. Verse 4. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. The man got up and went home. Jesus calls himself son of man there. Um, So that can just mean human being, but Jesus is actually claiming to be the son of man. 
in a vision that Daniel saw. We read this a few weeks ago. It's worth looking at again. Uh, Daniel 7.13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, he approached God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So when you hear Jesus say, son of man, that's quite a lot to say, isn't it? So that's what he's summing up when he calls himself son of man. And it's in contrast to the rest of, whenever humans come face to face with God in the Bible, whenever humans come face to face with God in the Bible, uh, they have to hide from it. If you think of Moses in the burning bush or um, Elijah hiding in a cave, whenever humans come face to face with God in the Bible, they have to hide from his holiness. But this one is in his presence and given all power and authority. And Jesus has all power and authority to heal the paralyzed man and forgive him because he is this one given rule over everything. So let me ask you, have you ever asked Jesus in faith for forgiveness? Because that's the offer. Free and complete forgiveness forever. Or do you need reminding that's what you've got. Do you feel like you might have overstretched your forgiveness quota and you must have probably run out by now? Well, the truth is it's not down to you. It's down to Jesus to say whether you're forgiven or not. All you need to do is repent, believe, believe Jesus is the Christ with all authority and come to him in faith. So please don't wait until you think you've got yourself together enough to approach Jesus. Jesus wasn't concerned with this paralyzed man and his mates breaking the social norms. All he was interested in was their faith. Whatever your felt needs are, whatever problems you've got, Jesus is most concerned with your faith in him. Jesus wants you to be one of his dinner guests. Our next heading, dinner guests. Uh, which we see in this next episode. Jesus hasn't got a too hard basket. He has the authority and power to call anyone, to forgive anyone. Verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. So as a tax collector, Matthew would have been the lowest of the low. Nobody would have liked Matthew. He's a shameful collaborator with the Romans. He'd have been seen as richly unclean, lower in status and honor than a Gentile slave. Yet this is who Jesus calls. Jesus has been preaching that in him, the kingdom of God is here. Not fully yet, but it's started. It's breaking in with Jesus' arrival. And This is your chance to get in. So Matthew shows us the right response to Jesus calling us into his kingdom. He simply believes. He simply believes that Jesus is worth obeying. He repents physically by stepping away from his dodgy livelihood, his booth, and follows Jesus. 
He, Matthew begins as an opponent of God in conflict with him, but leaves all that behind. And so he invites Jesus around for dinner. Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Matthew, who's been rich but lonely, has had his life changed by Jesus. It's a beautiful scene of the once rejected enjoying fellowship and acceptance with Jesus. In that culture, eating with someone was a big, I mean, it's a big deal in our culture as well, isn't it? But even more so in that culture, it showed you honoured them. It was kind of throwing your lot in with them. And, and this is not fitting the religious box that the Pharisees want Jesus to stay in. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why did you teach eat with tax collectors and sinners? We're all sinners, but this is kind of capital S sinners, you know, publicly they're sinners. But the Pharisees got a point, haven't they? Verse, um, Psalm 1, verse 1 begins like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Well, isn't that exactly what Jesus is doing? Is Jesus giving approval to their sinful lives, saying that their being enemies of God doesn't matter? Well, the key thing about this dinner party is who Jesus is and why he's sitting with them. Who Jesus is and why he's sitting with them. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So Jesus isn't there to condone these sinners' sins. He's come to cure them of their sin. Jesus is that son of man, the one bringing God's kingdom to that very table, and he can cure their sin sickness. So you wouldn't criticize a doctor for going to work at a hospital, would you? That seems a sensible thing to do. Jesus is eating with sinners because he has the power and authority to save sinners. Uh, I've seen this example, this, this uh, part of the Matthew's Gospel, Jesus eating with sinners, People have used it to contrast it against and criticize the church, or at least their idea of church, and to teach that it's never okay to make moral judgments. They'll say things like, Jesus didn't judge anyone or moralize. He just loved them, had dinner with them. You Christians are too busy telling them they're in the wrong to love them. But if you think about it, do they really think Jesus having dinner with Matthew meant, hey, Matthew, I love you, and I love you so much, I'm totally okay with you ripping off your fellow Israelites for your own dishonest gain. Bless you, Matthew. Is that what Jesus is saying at this dinner? Is he saying, hey, pimps, I love you so much. I'm not going to say a word about your human trafficking. It's totally okay. I love you. Just enjoy the meal. Of course he's not saying that. When people say things like that, what they mean is, I'm making a Jesus in my own image uh, that's got nothing to say against the things that I like doing. And you can't tell me otherwise. See, Jesus has come to love them, has come to love us. But that doesn't involve leaving them as they are. That wouldn't be truly loving. Loving them means warning of the judgment to come. 
and offering forgiveness to escape it if they follow Jesus. See, church isn't a cruise ship for the elite who are good enough to board. I'm sorry to break that to you. If you think you're the elite that were good enough, that's not why we're here. So it's not a cruise ship for the elite, you know, jealously guarding the gangplank, making sure no sinners get in. No, church is a hospital ship. It's a lifeboat for sinners. To be a Christian in the first place necessarily involves knowing yourself as lost at sea in your own sin and needing Jesus' rescue. Jesus welcoming sinners to dinner. We welcome sinners to dinner. We welcome sinners to church. But that doesn't mean welcoming sin. Jesus loves us too much to leave us as we are. And he wants us to love one another too much to leave one another as we are. Now, Galatians 6 talks about it. First one, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Verse 8, Galatians 6 verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will will reap eternal life. Jesus loves us too much to leave us as we are. So Jesus leaves us with only two categories in which to place ourselves. Righteous or sinners. Righteous or sinners. And as the ones looking down their noses, the Pharisees see themselves as the righteous. Yet the Son of Man, God's promised King, has fellowship with those who know and act on their need for him, their need for his forgiveness. So which one are you, righteous or sinner? If you're bemused or offended at the idea that you're an enemy of God, well, then you're on the side of the Pharisees. You're self-righteous. And they're not at the table with Jesus. They're ignoring him. They're not in his kingdom. But what about Christians? We are righteous. We are righteous, but only because Jesus forgives us and accepts us at his table. Only because we get his righteousness credited to us, counted as ours. So as we call people to follow Jesus, as we stand up for God's ways and God's ethics for the good of our friends and family, for the good of the nation, if we do that, we must Always do that in a way that makes it clear that we know we are the sick who need a doctor. That we're sinners forgiven by grace. So there we are. Two episodes of conflict that, ironically, bring us peace. Two episodes that Jesus used to reveal who he is, why he came, and how we should respond. He's God's rescuer, the Son of Man, with the authority to forgive. That's the offer. Free and complete forgiveness forever. All we need to do is repent, believe Jesus is the Christ with all authority, 
and come to him in faith. Come to him. Take your place at his table. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Take heart, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess that we have sinned, that we've carried on like the sick needing a doctor. We're sorry for our sin. We don't want to go against you. We confess our sin to you. And in faith, we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you that Jesus has the authority to forgive, that he's done everything needed to reconcile us to you. Thank you for that forgiveness. We humbly accept it by faith and turn the glory to you. Amen.